You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna, alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And this is the Tuesday episode of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Andrew, you are not in Nashville yet, but it seems like a lot of people <laughs> want to know when you get in. You're a popular guy. People are depending you depending on you. It's your new role, man. It's just part of the part of the job. Are you okay? You little you little stressed or like what, what's going on? Um, I'm just hoping my plane lands. It's like supposed to be icy in Nashville. I don't really do ice well. Um, I'm good, man. It's just it, you know they constantly just hand you different th- different things. Hey, can you be on camera for this? Hey, can you talk about this? It's just a lot, man. Um, but it is part of the title, Cooper. But you know, I'm here for it. I'm ready. And this is a, uh, it feels like a weird signing day. Like it doesn't feel like a signing day. And I know we're going to talk about that with Steve Wiltfong, but I'm good. What about you? How are you? How are you doing? How was the weekend? I'm good. The weekend was great. I just got uh, done with the college football today. I believe it is called. I apologize <laughs> to the powers of B if that is not the name of it, but we had Yogi Roth on from the PAC 12 great guy first time i've really kind of interacted with him been following his work for a really long time at the pac-12 network and then obviously his involvement at the elite 11 as well so uh, some unique insight like really enjoyed that conversation he just came out with a book right he did yeah i want to read that that's that's on, the, that's on the summer reading list and if yogi boy. if you're listening to this i'm sorry that i forgot the title of that book but drew you mentioned something earlier in the show i think you you uh, spoiled the surprise a little bit, but our first guest in our history together on this podcast, our director of recruiting, Steve Wiltfong. And what a time to bring him in with signing day, closing in, and a lot to talk about with Steve Nicholas Harbor. Where is he going to go? Coming off a big official visit to Oregon. We'll also have Deuce Robinson, the latest scoop on him, Jaden Rashada. When, do, when does that circus end? And then the Harris twins, Andrew and Michael, who right now that we are kind of keyed in on, it's kind of like a sneaky recruitment to be tapped into. But let's bring in our director of recruiting, Steve Wilfong. And Steve, I got to be honest, man, there was nobody but you. Instead, like our first guest, it just had to be you. So I'm excited to have you on. How are you? How are you doing? Well, good morning, guys. As we record here on uh, Monday <laughs> evening for Tuesday morning show here. Um, excited to be on episode what seven or, or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Week three. That's what we're calling it. Yeah. <laughs> three man weave is back. Didn't we do this we in did. December? I don't remember this one. A little three man weave. Oh, I think we did it once on uh preps to pros rest in peace, but Steve, you, you got the juice, man. You got the goods as always. Once we get into December, once we get into February, 
you're the guy. You're the guy everybody wants to be tapped into. So I want to, you know, I want to talk about this a little bit because Andrew just brought it up, but it, it just the relevance of National Signing Day in February now, where I, I don't have the exact statistic I in front it. of me. What is it, Drew? I think you know where I'm going with this. What are we? 96, 97 percent. Uh, if you look if that, at that, we have 399 blue chippers, right? So that's five stars and four stars. Just 20 of them aren't signed. So there's about 5% of the player pool still in play heading into Wednesday. And some of those guys are privately signed, just waiting to announce with their squad uh, Wednesday too. So that lowers your number. Probably, probably one or two. I know, I, I know of one, he's already committed. So he's not like people don't need to like rub their hands together and say, who is this? You know, but well, it's Steve. I know there's the two big ones. We're going to ask you about them, but, Maybe it's because I was involved in like getting Shamar Stewart on CBS Sports HQ last year, but like we don't even have one of those. Like, the, it, you know, doesn't it just feel completely different? So, last year's National Signing Day show was pretty epic because we had Perkins and we had Campbell, we had Shamar, and then I, I'm like Cooper after that. I forget who else we had. I don't know the name of the book. Or the, or the, we, had, we had Jimbo Fisher. Was it Jimbo Fisher on for that one? Yeah, we, we definitely had, had Jimbo Fisher on. But we had more guys declaring. Um, but look, still a lot of excitement going into Wednesday. We got some blue chippers coming off the board. We got some programs trying to put some finishing touches on some outstanding classes, whether that's Oregon or South Carolina. Maryland could be in for a big day UCF. Could have a big day. Penn State trying to add to a really good class. Michigan State has a top 25 class. They're trying to add on to it. Georgia's got the number two class. Do they get two more tight ends? Utah, I think they have their best recruiting class in our network history. Do they add to that class? So um, there's still some storylines to follow here. And then we're also you know, going to talk about those classes throughout the day on Wednesday and, and bring some analysis and why it's important. All right, let's pump it up. Let's go with the flow a little bit. I like this. Starting to build it up. February, feeling the juices right now. So let's let's start with the one of the best athletes in the country and a guy that, Andrew, you just posted an absurd statistic earlier about Nicholas Harbor. And this is a guy right now that, Steve, I got to be honest, between all three of us, this has been a difficult one to, to really get a pulse on. At some points, it, it's felt like South Carolina. At some points, it's felt like maybe Michigan. And then at some points it's felt like Maryland and all these programs have a different angle. And then you have Oregon getting the most recent official visit for Nicholas Harbor, five-star athlete out of the DMV. And you take a step back from 30,000 feet and you can see the partnership here. This, this makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to tee you up. What are you hearing is the latest on five-star athlete Nicholas Harbor? Well, I think first and foremost, there's several schools that feel good about their chances of landing Nicholas Harbor on Wednesday. So there's still a degree of exciting uncertainty going into his announcement on Wednesday. You have South Carolina. There's not a program that's done a better job recruiting Nicholas Harbor from start to finish in South Carolina. They were on him extremely early, got him to campus early in the process. Shane Beamer is obviously a very hands-on recruiter, but Jody Wright, Sterling Lucas, and that staff have done a terrific job of recruiting him to South Carolina. He's built a great report with the Gamecocks recruiting class. They have the number 16 class 
in the cycle. And believe it or not, if Harbor commits, I use the class calculator, they stay at 16. So there's not like a sexy maneuver within <laughs> that. Uh, but it would be awesome uh, for the Gamecocks to put the finishing touches on a really, really talented class, especially around the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And I think they got a sleeper, sneaky, talented, awesome quarterback in Lenoris Sellers, who had a fantastic senior year, who they flipped from Syracuse late in the cycle, who probably would have lit it up for like 4,000 yards a year under Dino Babers. You know, he's going to go to South Carolina and, uh, um, I, I think that he's a, he's got a chance. To, Norris Sellers is the type of guy that can turn South Carolina into a double-digit win-type program and, be, and beyond. Big big pickup for them. Now, if they can add Nicholas Harbor to what's in the fold, that would be fantastic. There's a lot of confidence around that program. If you talk to J.C. Sherbert, uh, you, you talk to our staffers at the Big Spur, I've talked to some sources about it in South Carolina. There's a lot of energy and excitement about where they stand with Nicholas Harbor. Um, but at the same time, I think Michigan felt good about their in-home visit that they had with him, their combination of academics and athletics, uh, you know, their football program and their track program all involved uh, family from the Michigan area. Uh, I think that the Harbor camp has given Michigan reason to believe that they're in good standing. The school that uh, I'm watching closely right now is Oregon took his official visit this past weekend. The ducks have really turned it up a notch Dan Lanning was in home two weeks ago. Head track coach was in this past Monday. Uh, the, he comes out on his visit, gets the red carpet tour for track. This is a young man that wants to run in the Paris Olympics in two years. This is a young man that's laying down some fantastic times right now. And when he gets into a track strength and conditioning program, I think they're going to lean him up, um, take some of this football muscle off him. He's got a chance to run even faster. Uh, on the next level as he tries to make it to Paris. Uh, but uh, when I asked uh, his dad what excited them about Oregon going into the official visit, the first thing that Azuka said was Nike. And I think that Nike is, is relevant in this recruitment as a potential track athlete. The football program, I think, excites them. And the pedigree there is a young man that wants to run in the Olympics, wants to be a professional football player. If that doesn't work out, he'll just be a doctor or a sports broadcaster. He's a darn near a straight-A student. Uh, so he's pretty much got everything going for him that you would want in a young man from an athletic and academic standpoint. And I think that you know, Oregon's head track coach didn't even go to a meet this weekend in Texas. He stayed back and recruited Nick Harbor. So that goes to show you how much of a priority he is um, for, for Oregon, and I think Oregon checks a lot of boxes for him. The one school that actually seems to be – kind of losing some confidence here and it was one that I felt really good about last week was Maryland you know and and so we'll see if they can rally here over the last 48 hours we've seen Mike Loxley in Maryland uh, score some big wins late in 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 the cycle uh, each year the last year was uh, Jay Sean Barham uh you know they they flipped uh why am Rakeem, I drawing a bird Rakeem Rakeem they flipped from uh Rakeem Jarrett yeah Rakeem Jarrett so maybe they'll have some fireworks with Nicholas Harbor. Maybe they'll have some fireworks with the with the Harris twins. But Maryland's the school that <clears throat> it seems like maybe is starting to trend back. But who knows, man? I might be on another show later in the day on Tuesday saying something completely different. That's what it is this time of year. And people people are like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. And maybe there's some degree to that. But sometimes, and, and Cooper may know this best, uh, being on the college side of it, man, 
it's amazing how quickly sometimes these things can change with one final conversation as you're making a, a decision of, of this magnitude. Um, and Nicholas Harbor's got a lot of great opportunities. Um, you know, Maryland's track coach was the Olympic track coach in 2012. He's got two gold medals to his name. Curtis Fry's uh, coached countless All-Americans. And Oregon's track program needs no uh, introduction. All right, Steve. So I got a, a, a quick follow up on that because it is fascinating to me. Like when you look at Nicholas Harbor, you start to understand the athlete and the person a little bit. And I think a couple programs stand out on each of those aspects. And what I mean by that, Michigan, from a pure academic standpoint, we know this is a guy that has aspirations off the field as well. Dad works at NASA. Mom's a pharmacist. He's incredibly gifted both on and off the field. And then you have Oregon that has Nike from a marketing standpoint, and then Oregon itself, the university. I mean, that's Tracktown USA, right? The new facility they built out there, beautiful. Nobody in the country has more resources committed to track and field than Oregon does. To me, what I'm wondering is those are very two clear selling points from Oregon and Michigan. What is South Carolina's pitch to Nicholas Harbor to be the dark horse in this? Well, I, again, I think first and foremost, they've probably done the best job of recruiting him from start to finish from a pure relationship standpoint. And it's a lot of people in that facility that he trusts. It's a football program that's on the rise. It's a track coach that's been around for over 25 years that, you know, he's had countless NCAA champions, uh, uh, even more SEC champions and and uh, a, a bunch of All-Americans in his career. So he does, there is some track, track pedigree um, at University of South Carolina, a guy from my hometown, Leroy Dixon ran at South Carolina and then ran uh, in the Olympics uh, on a couple relays. Uh, so they, they've had Olympians come out of South Carolina as well. And I think first and foremost, I may be wrong here, but I do think, you know, when I, and I talked to some sources about it, I think that the first box that this young man is trying to check is Paris. So the focal point of his athletic career when he gets into college is I want to run in the Olympics. So uh, that may not be exactly it, but that's kind of what I picked up on. And so I think that track is a very important component in the young man's decision, which we always knew that it would be. But he's got some high, lofty athletic ambition. I think academically, he's a young man that would be accepted into all these schools that there wasn't sports related. They all have distinguished acad uh, academia alum. You know, on his meeting or on his trip to Maryland, time with the university president, time with one of the best orthopedic surgeons in the in the um, state. His trip to uh, Oregon the Phil and Penny Knight fund, uh, uh, building or whatever. I think they put a billion dollars into that medical facility, uh, $500,000 into research and 500,000, or, or excuse me, 500 million into research, 500 million into paying the staff so they can get as many good doctors as they can out there. So, you know, these, you know, these are teams that were flexing off the field, what they can offer. But I think, you know, the young man wants to run in the Olympics. Then he wants to be the best football player he can be. And so I think that those, you know, the schools that can offer that are certainly in, in, in really good position. That stat that Cooper brought up, Nicholas Harbor, 664 in the 60 meter dash last weekend. And I talked to him in Orlando and he told me he thinks like the 200 is his race. So 
right? Am I right? Am I wrong? Yeah, I think so. Like when you talk about these sprinters, Nicholas Harbor, uh, I think he's been a national champ in the 200, I believe, um, in high school. Like Roderick Pleasant's the guy that you kind of think about as that 100-meter guy, man. He's got that 10.14 to his name already in high yeah. school. Oregon's in the mix for him, too, as they battle USC. If Oregon lands Harbor and Pleasant, that's a top five class, boys. That's number four. So they got a chance to really you the, move You got that calculator out, Steve? It's a 24-7 sports class calculator. <laughs> well, and okay, I don't can, have... can I point out that they need to like fix the calculator? I'm going to get some pushback from the brass on this, but with the transfers in there, it's kind of hard to navigate. Am I wrong? You know what? Even as you say that, I need to go back and make sure I punch that in with the with the damn transfers not in there. Like what what a travesty. Yeah. That, that the, they so many nice things created for us in that one thing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh on Harbor, what I was gonna say though, that's six six four. So I looked up other guys in the NFL, you know, what their sixty meter dash time was. Uh I think I found just one person that was faster than him, Anthony Schwartz, who will was with the Cleveland Browns, sprinter. Uh, but Harbor, who was 6'5", 225 pounds, senior year of high school, had a faster 60-meter dash time than Tyson Campbell, who was a second-round corner, Ronald Darby, Andy Isabella. I mean, all those guys are much smaller than him. So uh, freaky, this is freaky. A guy, this is a guy that, I mean, you just saw him in person. You know, he's like prettier than DK Metcalf even, yeah. right? He's a yes. specimen of – Specimen. Like this is a young man that is incredibly unique, athletically unique looking, unique in the mind. Like the he's got everything going for himself, man. He does, he does. So that'll be a fun one to track on Wednesday. I wasn't going to press you for a crystal ball pick. It's it, no no one's saying it, but it's kind it's kind of like Under Armour versus Nike. You know, Maryland flagship school. I think people Nike. are saying it behind the scenes. Oh, I'm saying it right here over the airways. There mm -hmm. we go. Uh, let, let's pivot to another exceptional athlete um a guy that has one of the more wild profiles and that's deuce robinson our number one ranked tight end this is a guy that could go in the first round of the mlb draft you know draw has drawn some aaron judge comparisons before he headed out to the poly bowl he was doing a workout with the dodgers uh correct me if i'm wrong here steve but blair and gulo reported our, our guy our colleague blair that that deuce might push things back so what's kind of the latest with him and and that recruitment. Yeah, Blair Angulo has been on top of that for our network. I would say that uh, what I'm hearing on, on our end is uh, and what fantastic multi-sport athletes uh, we have here at the end. You know, we talked about Harbor and Rod Pleasant, but Deuce Robinson, certainly elite in football and baseball and Under Armour All-American in both and, and a young man that's certainly going to hear his name called in the MLB draft. What we're up to right now in that stage of the process as someone that just loves baseball but no like insider expertise on it and cooper maybe you dealt with this with some guys that you recruited over the course of your career on the on the uh um, admin side personnel side i think with the major league baseball draft coming around it's now time to get down to what's the number to justify the position taken and then what promises is the prospect given based on the signing bonus to what they're going to dedicate to your baseball organization. Um, so you probably have that going on right now. Um, I, I think that his college football decision is, is one that's heavy on player development and not necessarily a lot of other things, you know, like maybe 
campus life or, you know, academics. I hate to say, like, I think he wants to be a professional football player. I think he wants to be a professional baseball player and they're all in reach for him. Like, um, so, uh, Georgia, their track record of developing tight ends right now is second to none in college football. So, uh, if you're a guy that's going to bet on yourself, uh, George is a place where you don't care how many other tight ends are in the room. If you're the guy or you're the second guy, you got a chance to still hear your name in the first round of the NFL draft. So I think George's track record as with tight ends, their track record as a football program, and then his relationship with Todd Hartley and, and Matt Georgia staff has put the Bulldogs in great position. Now, USC is a program that at times was the perceived leader. They're still in it. Uh, Texas is a program that's been uh, hanging around in this recruitment as well. Uh, but uh, from it, you know, from a football standpoint, if he makes a football decision here in any capacity, I like where Georgia stands right now, two days out from his announcement. Hey, Steve, you you brought something up earlier in the show before we got in this player by player discussion. You said, "Tell me if I'm wrong here," but did you say Georgia in the hunt for two tight ends? I did because you also got Walker Lyons out there, top two four seven prospect who at one point was committed to Stanford. But Walker Lyons should be considered a 2024 recruit. He's a young man that's going to take a mission before enrolling at the school of his choice. And George has done a fantastic job in this recruitment. They already have the number one tight end in the country in 2024 committed in Landon Thomas, who by all accounts looks like he has a chance to be really special. And then Walker Lyons is a guy that they would love to add to that group as well. The other program I'm watching in the mix is Utah. He was at the game when Utah beat USC. My man, Utah's tight end, had 16 receptions on 16 targets. Why can't I not think of his name? Dalton Kincaid. Kincaid. Yeah, Dalton Kincaid, yep. Had a monster game. What what an environment. Utah fans stormed the field despite being the defending Pac-12 champs. Um, And uh, uh, I am a get-off-my-lawn field court stormer (laughs) type. I mean, I'm not like – I don't lose my mind over it. I just question it sometimes. Like, you are the defending Pac-12 champs. Uh, um, but uh, you started on the field. It was a great night. It was a lot of magic in the air regardless, uh, and uh, Utah got their season back on track um, and uh, you know, took it all the way to the Rose Bowl that night, uh, launched from that night. So obviously, you know, he's a former Stanford commit. Maybe he ends up back there as well. But, yeah, Georgia could end up with them or Walker Lyons and Deuce Robinson to go with Lawson Lucky, and Pierce Sperlin, who we thought looked good in San Antonio at the All-America Bowl. My man only played two games as a senior, got hurt, but he was chomping at the bit to get to San Antonio and compete and see how he measured up with some of the nation's best uh, to springboard him into his career at Georgia. And man, he's six foot seven, six foot eight. He was the tallest dude there, I think, him and Caden Jones. And I thought Pierce Sperlin had a great week of practice and in the game. Lawson Lucky, he's a guy that can play attached, flex out. He's tough. He's physical. He's hard nosed. He can stretch the field. He's a complete tight end. It's, uh, you know, guys that pick Georgia, they don't worry about who's going to Georgia with them. Uh, you know, that you, you bet on yourself, you know, it's going to be incredibly competitive and you see what happens. And those are two guys that they could add to that roster. I'm not, go ahead, Drew. I, I'm not betting against Todd Hartley. I think we talk about him a lot on this, on this podcast, Steve, but he does an excellent job of, you know, turning different body types and utilizing different tight ends. It's not like he just has has one go-to type of guy that it has to be in the mold. I mean, you look at Deuce Robbins, he's completely different than Lawson Lucky, who's completely different than Pierce Sperlin. And, and they put all those guys on the field. And if, sure. if, it really, if it really comes down to player development, I, I think Georgia 
as much as that's going to pain some of these people, you know, or anyone that is in the SEC, like I think there's that makes the most sense. Todd Hartley had three guys selected when he was at Miami. He's going to have another come off the board in Will Mallory, who's at the Senior Bowl this week. Uh, Darnell Washington is going to get drafted. We know what Brock Bowers is going to get drafted. I mean, he he is flexing his muscle. He also got Trey McKitty drafted out of uh, out of Georgia. I mean, it has is, is been quite the the run of, of tight ends for him, and no one is doing it as good as him. And kudos to Todd Monken for his scheme to also make that happen. Like, Ladd McConkey is going to get drafted. He's a guy that obviously wasn't highly recruited, but Georgia was smart enough to take him and, and, and develop him, and he's – emerged as one of the better receivers in college football and he'll get drafted. But I, I mean, when you think of Georgia's offense, you know, it's tight ends running backs with different skill sets being utilized in a variety of ways. And Stetson Bennett just slowing the game down and knowing where to go with the football all the time and how he can run if it breaks down around him. But uh, yeah, Georgia, they take the personnel that they have there and they certainly make more than the most of it. Todd Monken is, I mean, he's looked like the best offensive coordinator in college football and uh, two straight national titles later, it'd be hard to argue with that as well. Which is interesting because I, I do believe his name has been floated in some NFL coaching circles this week. And you wonder if there is a potential hiccup or obstacle for Georgia in the pursuit of a Deuce Robinson. Maybe that plays into it a little bit. But I mean, just thinking about it, we're, we're talking about a position room, even after Brock Bowers leaves after next year, 2023, 2024 would include. Oscar Delp. Yeah, no one talked. Lawson Lucky, Pierce Sperlin, Deuce Robinson, and potentially Walker Lyons. Right. So to me, flip this on its head. Georgia, they're the defending national champions for a reason. Two time. But they know their identity better than anybody else in, in the country. And <laughs> yeah, that's considering Alabama as well. But and, and they recruit to it. And I think we've seen Glenn Schumann and Kirby Smart recruit the second level in those linebackers that they're bringing in in a very equivalent way. And it's, to me, I, listen, these games in January, they're established at the line of scrimmage. I think we saw that against TCU. And we saw that in the first game as well that Georgia had in the playoffs. Nobody's doing it better than them right now. And we haven't even talked about Monroe Freeling and Bo Hewley and Kelton Smith and some of those guys that they're bringing in on the offensive line. So Deuce Robinson, and the other thing we're going to talk about, Steve, later in the show after you leave, is kind of the best fit for some of these guys that we've talked about. And, I mean, to me, like when I was on the personnel side of it, we always wanted to get to like, all right, what, like what's the angle here? And I think if you're looking at this as the, the average fan or casual, and maybe you're on the outside looking in, or maybe you have interest in a Nicholas Harbor, like you just told me what it was, right, on Nicholas Harbor. He wants to run in Paris. Deuce Robinson, what's his bottom line? He wants to be developed. And to me, if you're sifting through all this noise, yeah, there's a lot of programs involved for both of these guys. But if you follow that bottom line, to me, there's two clear favorites in that. And I might be wrong at the end of the day, but in terms of the fit and the way I see it, I think there are two schools that that stand out for both those guys. But Steve, I want to roll on. And this one I'm, I'm really, really interested on because I feel like we, we kind of had a feel of the last two guys. This guy, I, I just want to ask you, Jaden Rashada, four-star quarterback out of Northern California, if you're not familiar, used to be committed to Miami and then <laughs> committed, committed to Florida, signed, 
asked out of his LOI and is now out. Okay, so here we are in, in January, I believe his last two official visits, TCU and Arizona State, who now seem to be involved, which I think are really good fits. But I want to ask you from like the news breaking side of this and somebody that you have covered the last couple months really closely and really dating back all the way into June, right? Because even that time, nobody really knew. Was it like Miami? Was it Florida? Like you were just waiting for the, the other shoe to drop. Like, what has this recruitment been like for you where you feel like, all right, maybe I got this pegged. And then all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, that that didn't work out the way I, I thought it was, or that didn't end up being what I thought and all the information that I had gathered. Well, he's one of the first recruitments where like it was harder to figure out what he was going to do based on like the circumstances of his process. Um, I think there was a time where Ole Miss was maybe in a good spot too, but um, here we are now and he's going to make his final decision, I think, or, or um, and you got two programs that I think he really has an opportunity to flourish in. And I know you guys talked about this on a recent show as a quarterback and he's a guy that, he's a really good thrower of the football. He's one of the more consistently natural throwers of the football in this class. Um, and, and so he's got a lot of talent and, and you look at programs like Arizona state and TCU, Kenny Dillingham, the new head coach of Arizona state, he just had a top 10 offense at Oregon in one year, Bo Nix transfers to Eugene and just how quickly he developed and was put in a position to succeed under Dillingham and that Oregon staff that's enticing then you have his brother he lives in the area arizona state maybe his other brother ends up at playing football at arizona state his dad played at arizona state um you know there's some exciting factors there for for the sun devils for for Jaden rashada then on the flip side talking to people that spent time with him on his visit to tcu over the weekend the rashada camp they were uh, you know they went in rome i mean they were it felt like they were horn frogs uh, this weekend too, you know, and enjoyed their time getting to know Sonny Dykes. Obviously, uh, Max Duggan had uh, as good a college football season as anybody not named Caleb Williams at the position. Maybe uh, you could argue C.J. Stroud as well, but um, uh, um, Heisman finalist, Davey O'Brien winner, um, uh, played in the national title game. Max Duggan had himself a hell of a year playing for an offensive-minded head football coach. And then the Dallas-Fort Worth area is exciting for uh, a prospect as well with all the opportunities you could possibly get in a city like that off the field. So I, I asked someone today if they thought he would sign this week. They said yes. I asked if they thought anyone was uh, in, in it beyond these two, and they said they didn't think so. But, guys, I don't know, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to, to – to leave it right there. I mean, for you, Steve, is this like a, um, you know, I like peeling back the layers, especially with you. I mean, you, you deliver so much news. Everybody relies on you for that. That's why they come to you. You're the best in the business when it comes to that. But like, is this like a case study for you? Like in, in, in the NIL era where you're just like, all right, maybe the way that I, you know, digest and intake information now in this era is a little bit different than it was, you know, a year or two ago. I think only for a couple, couple kids. I think for the most part, a lot of these kids, because a lot of these schools are, do have opportunities for players. Now, when the players cash in, that could be different. Um, but 
you know, I still think, I mean, you look at the top classes in the country, it's the usual suspects under this different landscape of rules, quote unquote. So, um, but NIL has made it interesting in the sense that like, you know, anything could change at the last second when you feel comfortable, like you can't just say, all right, Andrew Ivan's committed to FAU. I don't have to worry about that one anymore. Well, now FIU may come in with something sweet there in the last 48 hours. And I think you could maybe, uh, you know, there were a couple of recruitments that uh, turned on a dime at the end there in December. And, you know, we might have more of that moving forward, depending on how some of these schools, they're learning, they're learning the ropes on uh, these collectives are learning the ropes too, and going through it for the first time. And there's going to be air, there's going to be trial and error. Uh, but there's going to be some some that become well-oiled machines before others, and and I think it's going to pay off on the trail if that's the route that you're going for with front-end promise guarantees of you know some blue chippers that are looking for that. Well, Steve, you uh, you mentioned the SEC is still kind of king, right? And I, I did the calculations, and there's six guys inside our top two, four, seven that haven't committed yet, and and on Wednesday. Most of them, I think all of them are going to make decisions, I guess, maybe besides Deuce. But if you add Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, and I think that's how we need to look at these rankings, right, because they're both headed to that conference, SEC will have signed 48.9% of our top 247 recruits. It's just – it's wild. And, and you know, that, that would be 121 guys, and the next closest one is the Big Ten with 43. Um, before we get you out of here, two other – Guys, and I know you're going to defer to me here because you've been doing. I all am going to defer to you, so I almost want to throw in a third guy just so I can feel important real quick. And I know you guys will be able to uh, expand on it. If Lance, the producer, hates this, he can just delete it, and we're adding some work to his plate. But let's talk a little bit, Chimdiono. You guys just put him in the top two, four, seven. Okay, this is a big recruitment down the stretch. I think he's going to end up at Penn State or Michigan State. I like the Nittany Lions right now. Uh, but Michigan State, they they're looking for another top twenty-five class under Mel Tucker. But if he can, if he picks Penn State, which is who I like right now. You put him in a class with uh, J- J- Javen Williams, Alex Birchmeyer, Anthony Donka. That's certainly one of the best halls at the point of attack, probably in the Big Ten. Off the top of my head, I apologize. No, you're I right. Think it's better than Ohio State's if they land all those guys. Um, and and. Uh, um, you know, this is, that's a program right on the cusp there. Just played in the Rose Bowl. There, James Franklin's been close to the college football playoff. He's trying to break through. I think with 12 teams, he's certainly in a couple different times already. Uh, and then Michigan State, they're trying to bounce back. Uh, I think that's an interesting recruitment there. I do defer to you on the Harris Twins, brother. What <laughs> you, you were talking about, you, you know, Maryland is the crystal ball, but sounds like UCF is making a maneuver there. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's one of those recruitments where it's been all over the place. And, you know, I found a tweet when I, I put out about Andrew Harris like a, a two years ago, and he had like no offers. I'm like, oh, this kid's going to blow up after he he ripped off those track times. I mean, they were longtime UCF commits. For people not familiar with the Harris twins, um, born in Jamaica, families from Jamaica, you know, grew up playing soccer, hadn't really played much football at all. And, and they're a bit undersized, and I think – from what I've heard on on the college personnel side is it's hard to take two two undersized linebackers, right? It's hard to take two brothers like that just because 
you know, your linebackers normally play special teams, but I thought they were awesome in Orlando in the All American game. They were awesome in the Poly Bowl. Uh, one of them won, won an MVP. And you know, if 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 Travis Williams hadn't left UCF to become the D coordinator at Arkansas, they're they're already at UCF. Um, but he did leave, and that kind of opened the door for Maryland to get in there. You said something a few minutes ago about Harbor. Like I would not bet against Mike Loxley at at the buzzer. I mean, he he is lights out. Um, especially with DMV kids. And I know the Harris twins aren't there in the DMV, but they are from, they, they did spend part of their childhood at, up in Maryland. Dad's in the area. So I, I don't know. I mean, UCF was expecting him to visit on on Friday uh, for an unofficial visit. I, I popped over by UCF because I was in town for a seven-on-seven tournament. I didn't see him there. I think they are complete wild guards in, in terms of what happens. I, If I had to guess, I would guess UCF, but you know, I think they want to play big time football. Cooper also brought up a bunch of good stuff, you know, about bottom lines on kids. And I thought that was a real interesting view from someone that's been on the other side. And I think the bottom line is I think those two kids want to play big time football. I'll add, though, UCF has some success with twins. Uh, the Griffin brothers were there. Um, they got two, the Chikari and Damari Henderson. Who they, they beat out Miami for last cycle. Both those kids played. And I was around Gus Malzahn on Friday, and, dude, they're gearing up to go to the Big 12. I think they said – I overheard the, the the pitch to recruits, and I think they mentioned probably eight different times that Gus is the only active head coach that's beat Nick Saban three times. Like, they hammered that point home. So, I know, man. Football <laughs> means more on the planes, right? Fire national champion coach that's beat Alabama three times. I mean, like – and I know that'll rub – that comment will rub some Auburn fans the wrong way. You don't understand. We, you know, but, I mean, Gus did a hell of a job, man. I mean, and uh, certainly has put some excitement around UCF there. There's, we're looking for a new king in the Big 12, right? I mean, it, it, obviously, the easy pick right now is TCU. Um, but Texas Tech has their best recruiting yeah, class in program history. They got a lot of inroads in state there. Um, you know, Baylor's had a lot of success uh, through multiple coaches over the last several years and even has uh, come back from, like, uh, the worst place you can be as a college football program. They've bounced back from that and won a conference title um, since then. So uh, Baylor's a place that's proven to win in the Big 12. And, and Texas and Oklahoma, they're going to have their hands full in the new league. But, you know, Texas has got two top five recruiting classes. If Texas doesn't win 10 or 11 games next year, I'm going to I'm gonna lose patience. And uh, I know they were – I think they were four wins better this year than last year. So arrow up. Uh, I'm happy with it. But now it's time next year to have a good year, uh, a really good year, I mean. And then Oklahoma, they had the 129th-ranked defense in the country this year. Brent Venables, defensive guru, I can't imagine – watching film with him on Saturday night and Sunday morning again of that defense that couldn't stop the run, couldn't stop the pass. But other than that, we're a hell of a defense. I'll say, I'll say this about Central Florida. I, I think – and I'll say this about the, the Harris twins. I was going to bring it up later in the show. But, Drew, you, you brought up two undersized linebackers, right? But these guys are speed and space guys. And – we talked about bottom lines a little bit. They want to play big-time college football. But if I were in the corner of the Harris Twins, what I would be saying to them, the Big 12 suits you better than the Big 10. You want to be playing east to west. You don't want to be playing north to south. 
and what puts you in a position to maximize your skill set. And to me, that's that's Central Florida without a doubt. So I agree. Steve, Steve Art, are you are you good? Are we missing anyone on here? Are, are we going to get a surprise? And then I have one last question before you go. Are you missing uh, Art? So uh, just one other recruit off the top of my head I'm keeping an eye on is Kendrick Gilbert. He's a composite four-star from Indianapolis, committed to Purdue. Kentucky got him back on campus this weekend, so maybe something happens there. I know Purdue and the new staff, he got around uh, uh, Coach Walters and the new staff earlier in the week. So I don't know if that one's sexy enough for all our listeners, but you know I'm excited about that recruitment too and where Kendrick puts pen to paper. Yeah, there there are some other ones out there. I, I'm I'm kind of putting a list together for the show of like Jamel hey, Howard's going to commit on our yeah. show tomorrow. Sorry to interrupt, but that's actually he's going to commit on the 24/7 Sports platform Tuesday instead of Wednesday. Alan True, our colleagues, leading the charge on that one. I liked Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. Still could end up being the Badgers, but Miami's made it interesting down the stretch. Uh, Michigan's yeah. still battling there, but he was just at Miami this weekend, so uh, maybe the Hurricanes have. Uh, flip that one as they try and add another player around the line of scrimmage to, to a class that I like a lot. All right. Well, I, yeah, I was going to bring up Jamal. I mean, it kind of feels like the Trevante citizen recruitment last year for Miami where, you know, I, I don't even think citizen took a, an official visit to Miami. All right. My, before we get you out of here, I got to ask, I've always wanted to ask you this. So now I'm going to do it in this public space. Do you, do you view yourself as Woj or Shefty? Not neither. <laughs> neither. So you hate when people bring that up? No, it's flattering for sure. I mean, those guys are the best at what they do, and they do it in something that's uh, a lot more prominent than recruiting. You know, so uh, it's, it's flat. I appreciate you asking me that, and it's it's flattering. But those guys are um, the, the the I'm nowhere close to their tax bracket for a reason. Steve, follow follow up question to that real quick. The first time you heard. You know, like I've been on these message boards before and and then somebody says he just got fonged. What was your reaction to that? I mean, I think it's awesome. Again, you know, (laughs) that we have a community of people that care about this stuff, you know, and uh, um, because, uh, no, it's it's, it's cool um, to have that. But also um, people remember the ones that you miss, you know, it's like. I crystal balled uh, Andrew Ivins to FAU and the FIU people remember the one time that I was wrong when I said Cooper Patagna was going to go to SMU, but he ended up going to FIU. So, um, you know, it, there, there, you get the fond moments, but you also get the moments where they, they tell you that you're just guessing or you don't know, um, which, you know, is fair. So, hey, man, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. Steve, I, I will say, congratulations. You are now the first guest of honor, but you are now an honorary oyster boy who is welcome back anytime you want. I just want to let you know that. I know that's big for you. We discussed this in San Antonio. Congrats, <laughs> my friend. we got to get you some merch or something. No, I appreciate it. I think uh, the, the I felt the chemistry here instantly when we did that whip around oyster boys show preps the pro show uh leading into the holiday uh a month ago or so or whatever and uh, i would say that the next time i come back we'll have to discuss varsity blues in the program those are two movies that i've seen that these two young men here have not seen (laughs) which are i mean the program is the best football movie ever made uh and uh 
Varsity Blues. I was just in high school when that movie was made. So I've really, seen Varsity Blues. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. I'll take that back. It's my boy Skeeter, right? That's his name. <laughs> Drew. Drew. I, I sent Drew the trailer for Varsity Blues last night. Um, <laughs> but yeah, y'all need to see the program. I think the listeners, uh, the listeners would agree with that. And the program still holds true. Like that movie still stands the test of time. Honestly, uh, a lot of it still applies to today's college football. I haven't watched it because supposedly you can only get it on VHS. Is that true? I'm. I would imagine that you could go to like Target or Walmart and find it in the four ninety nine bin. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll do some re- we'll do some research because I I've been at this job. I don't even know almost two years in July. I guess you have been on my tail about watching the program uh, since I've known you, Steve, and I, I appreciate that commitment. So maybe for the two year Annie, I'll get the VHS. Flip it in, watch it, have some popcorn, watch it with the fiance, have a nice little night. Oh yeah, all, she'll love it. All in honor of you. It, it is a little bit of a rom com too with the uh, quarterback and his. Oh, it's got know, some rom com. Everywhere, every element. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Love that. All right, for our director of recruiting, Steve Wilfong. Steve, we appreciate you having us, and we'll be back right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome back to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Pizzagna alongside our Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And if you have been listening to our podcast today, you just listened to the first ever guest interview we had. Pretty electric. I mean, some... (laughs) A lot of energy from Steve got up on the Chimdi Ono stuff. We got to talk. I'm glad in all seriousness that we really got to talk about like, hey, what is this Jaden Rashada's recruitment been like? Hey, like, how do you feel like when somebody says like getting fonged? Right. I mean, there's so there's so many funny things. He's the best at what he does, you know, and he works his tail off. And uh, I appreciate having him on. You know, I just didn't want to have him on and be like, hey, where's this guy going to school? Yeah. You know, like, like, hey, peel back the curtain a little bit, you know, yeah. team up. guy, guy works hard, man. So we appreciate him. But Drew, any, any generic thoughts on our, our first guest interview with our director of recruiting? I loved it, dude. I, I like the three man weave. I mean, I did have that interview with Blair about the poly bowl, but that was a, 
that was one-sided. I, I like it. We've talked about bringing people on. Um, he really did text me at like 11 o'clock at night, uh, YouTube trailer for Varsity Blues or something. And then I called him this morning and I didn't watch it. And I'm like, God, he's going to bring this up. And sure enough, that was the first thing he brought up. But uh, Steve's a great dude. One of the hardest workers I've ever been around. Um, and, you know, being in this field, seeing him work, you know, he takes his, his craft very seriously. And it's not an easy field. I think a lot of people think you know, he wants to be out there in front of things. I think it was up to Steve. He just wants to, you know, provide for his family and 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 that he's going to be the best at his job. So that, that's, that's from the hip, what I'm shooting from the hip right there. I have a couple ideas on how he can hashtag feed family. I think we need to get a Fong merchandising store. Like we need to get that in the in the paid state. What I mean by that is like we can have one that just says Fonged, or we can have one that says just hashtag young man or the pro or the program, you know, spell with a U. A lot of ideas there, but Steve always brings it. We appreciate Steve coming on. But Drew, let's let's follow up on the guys that we discussed. And you know, these are the guys right now that we that have our attention before signing day. This is from a national standpoint. These are the guys everybody is, is really waiting on to make a decision and where are they going to go? And there is a lot hanging in the balance with Nicholas Harbor. If you listen to the interview, we talked a lot about bottom line. In this part of the segment, we're going to talk a lot about fit. And Drew, we can go with fit, but I'm I, just based off of what we heard from Steve. I just want to tell you the way that I would interpret that based on the experience that I have. Nicholas Harper, the bottom line is for him is that he wants to be in the Olympics in Paris in two years. Now, to me, the only true contenders here, if that is the case, and this is with all due respect and all speculation, but in my mind, that leaves two programs, Oregon in Maryland. And because you talked about it earlier, that is a Nike versus <laughs> Under Armour battle. Think of the marketing potential of Nicholas Harbor as a dual sport athlete. And everything we know about this guy, this is a strong and legitimate possibility that this guy could have incredible success in both the gridiron and track and field. Nobody, in my opinion, because I've been there and I've worked there, I've never seen anything like it in my life, is more committed to track and field, in my opinion, in my very novice opinion, than Oregon. And then once you get Phil Knight involved with this, good luck. Yeah. That's all I have to say. And from a marketing standpoint, there is no issue. Like He, he is different from every other guy. He's not just a football player. Track and field is very serious to the people in Eugene. Well, I think he's a guy. I don't know how to put this, but I think once I say it, it'll it'll make some sense. Like he could be on a, a billboard. He can be in Dick Sporting Goods, you know, on the on the wall, trying to sell you some shoes, whether that be for Nike or uh, Under Armour. Like he can be in commercials. He's got a great personality. I've I've been around him, so I do agree with that. And I, and I think I said a long time ago, I thought Maryland was the dark horse and there's only been more, more smoke about them. Oregon gets the last visit. Coop, we said we we're going to 
break down what we think would be the best fit, right? You just outline, or if he if he's that serious, track running the Olympics, Oregon's probably the route to go. But from a football perspective, I think I also like Oregon and what they can do on offense. I, I like the skill talent that he'd be coming around. I don't think he would be forced into action per se, maybe more so than he would at Maryland where there would be a ton of expectations. They haven't really pulled a talent like that. And I think they would try to get him on the on the field as early as possible at Maryland. Kenyon Sadiq, uh, who's list graded out by us as an athlete in the, inside the top 247, he's essentially really a tight end. Jurion Dickey, big, thick, wide receiver. I just think I, I envision him, I don't know, having more success, but I, I like him in Oregon's offense more than I do at Maryland. It's a really good point you make, almost uh, almost similar to what we talked about with Cormani McLean and, and him heading to Colorado and not having to feel these massive expectations, right? And we are talking about a guy that is more of a track and field athlete than he is a football player right now when it comes to his development on the field. So I do think in a lot of ways that Oregon makes the most sense. So, Drew, you're saying Oregon there. I'm saying Oregon as well. Does that close the book on the Nicholas Harbor conversation today? I think we're done. But I'm not, again, I am not like, if you could bet on this type of stuff, right, and you logged in your FanDuel app or whatever, and like you could get plus money on Oregon, like I think I would take that. Or I mean, excuse me, on Maryland, like I'm taking a flyer there. Maybe try to get it in a prop, prop fecta. <laughs> Why don't we come up with a new grading scale and call it the Oyster Boys grading scale? And we can say five oysters is a high level of confidence. One oyster is a low level of confidence. I like Listen, I, I think that I think the fit is glaring in terms of Nicholas Harbor and Oregon. That being said, in terms of the pulse, it really doesn't seem like Steve. I, Steve has a pulse on this, but he seems like he wouldn't be surprised by anything. So I'm going to go three oysters to Oregon. I'm going like two oysters. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I want to see if like there's some drama on Wednesday. That's what I'm looking forward to. Like Steve in the in the seat, just freaking out uh, on the show, <laughs> which is messed up. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. Okay, so now let's turn our attention to a guy that is pretty similar, just a, a hybrid pass catching tight end, a little bit of an enigma himself, Deuce Robinson. The bottom line here, I'm going to just explain the bottom line as explained by Steve Wolfong, is that Deuce Robinson wants to be developed. That's the bottom line. And I think when you look at that, I think that's pretty apparent. And to me, I, I don't know how you juggle. Like I don't know how serious the, the news surrounding Todd Munkin is and potentially interviewing for vacancies in the NFL as a coordinator. Does that play into it? Maybe, maybe not. The other thing I don't know is like I had a hard time trying to understand what Steve was saying about where does the MLB fit in all this, right? And to me, there have been so many times, whether it's been not personally, but I've seen guys that have aspirations to play in the major league and they're considered a top 10 or 12 round draft pick. I mean, that money is real. That signing bonus money is real, right? So it can make you kind of Take a step back and rethink your future. Now, if Deuce Robinson is committed to playing football, I kind of see this as a as 
an easy fit for him at the next level? I think the answer here is Georgia. I'm going to put four oysters behind that one. <laughs> uh, two quick things on this. Um, I'm also going Georgia for four oysters. I could see him just not playing college football. Um, I, well, I that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No. Mm -hmm. uh, some other things that come to mind, right? Let's say Todd Munkin does potentially go to the NFL, which I would not blame a coach for doing in any way, given the current landscape and, and college football with year-round recruiting, all that stuff. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine being these guys hosting junior days the past two weekends after um, bringing in a bunch of transfer visitors uh, the first weekend of January after playing in a bowl game and doing signing day? I, I, I would be absolutely burnt out. And I know a lot of them are. Uh, so I could see those guys moving on. But if Monken were to leave Athens, Todd Hartley, you don't think he would be considered for that offensive coordinator role? I think he would. Yeah, and, that's what I'm know, saying. I, I wanted to bring this up earlier, but if I was Miami, I'd dip my toes in that a little bit. And I don't, I don't want to go completely off-road, but the impact that Todd Hartley has had in, in Athens cannot be understated. I mean, we, we talk about Todd Hartley a lot on this show. He's our Oyster Boys passing game coordinator and assistant head coach. But if you're Miami, listen, I understand it's a leap there and Mario Cristobal needs to get this right. But he's been working hand-in-hand -hand with Todd Monk in the last couple of years. I think and I, we are we are way off-road. We're trying to – I don't even know how we're going to tie this back off. But if Todd Hartley, the job I'm keeping an eye on, what happens at West Virginia after this season. You heard it here first, January – 31st, 2023, Todd Hartley uh, on the hot board for, for West Virginia. All right, the second thing, uh, Jay Allen, baseball prospect from two years ago. Coop, I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he was at a, he made it to the Elite 11 finals. He was committed to play baseball at Florida. Some schools, you know, I, I thought his tape was like, like Lamar Jackson light. I mean, he was making all these plays, running around. Uh, he went in the first round of, of the MLB draft. And his signing bonus was two point four million. So uh, what I'm saying is, just in this NIL era, you know, I don't know how like the baseball works or like the NIL. Like I think that's what Steve was hinting at. You know, there's a lot of different numbers probably coming at Deuce Robinson from a lot of different angles, and they got to figure out what they want to do. Um, that's tough. That sounds complicated. I will say that. So I, if if there is one, Andrew, since you're going to be in Nashville, that I would be like, all right, expect anything. And I think we've kind of already gotten uh, the breadcrumbs there that he might not announce on February 1st. There's some things that the dust needs to settle a little bit when it comes to Deuce Robinson. The other question I got for you before we get on to the next one, who gets a head coaching job first, Brian Hartline or Todd Hartley? Oh. Well, Hartline's going to have a year of a coordinator experience ahead of him. So, right? I agree. I agree. And, and I'm just thinking, like, a guy like Alex Golesh can get South Florida. Brian Hartline's going to be in pretty good position. He also doesn't seem like he is in a rush he wanted to leave Cincinnati. Ohio State. He wanted Cincinnati. Well, that would make sense. That would make sense. So, uh, yeah, but I don't think Hartley's that far behind. And, and I, I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't read a bunch of, like, Miami stuff on the OC search, but you're the first one that has put that name in my head and I kind of like it. 
Yeah, the other one I was thinking of that I don't think Mario would ever do, and his name emerged today uh, within conversations about Alabama, was Ryan Grubb, offense coordinator at Washington. Obviously, the year that they had with with Michael Penix. I think there's a lot of NFL options Alabama can go. I have no idea what Mario is going to do. No idea. And I'll say this about Miami. Like, I don't think anybody was knocking the Josh Gaddis hire, but I thought it was like it was a perceptional win. You know, now you have to get this right. Like, you, you have to find someone that is capable of putting up points. That that has to be the goal. And I'm not saying that it, Mario don't think that Josh Gaddis was capable of doing that, but here you are a year later. Like, you got to get the guy. This is a really important year for Miami. But we didn't even plan on talking about Miami. Here we are. <laughs> All right. Jaden Rashada, I thought, I thought it was pretty interesting what Steve said. It seems to be a two-horse race. That being said, Drew, I'm not, I'm not counting out anybody here. I don't know who a third team or fourth team would possibly even be, but in my mind, I mean, you just – I think what we've learned from this recruitment, you never know. And the two teams involved in this, like what would you say the bottom line for Jaden Rashada is? I would say that's pretty evident, right, from what we've learned with his recent history with, with Florida and Miami. Back to the question at hand, I, to me, the fit is TCU. Like, who do you trust your son with at the end of the day? And I, I trust Sonny Dykes' resume with quarterbacks. This is a guy that we've talked out on previous shows, reminds us of Jared Goff. Sonny Dykes had him. You look at the job that Max Duggan did this year, right? He's going to be in the Senior Bowl this week. I think it's a pretty easy fit. And then you, you take into consideration – the surrounding talent, right? Guys like Jojo Earl, guys like Jack Besh, guys like Cordell Russell, so on and so forth. That's a pretty good place where he can just kind of develop organically. Like, I really like that for him. Just kind of get away from the noise and, and just, you know, settle in. It's like he's got to resurrect his career. And he hasn't even played. Hadn't even started yet. It hasn't even taken a college class, but it feels like that, right? Like, he just needs a an opportunity to – to write the ship a little bit. I, I, I would lean TCU. I, I don't know. I would think uh, the guys at Arizona State, um, I mean, it, it, they have a quarterback committed right now, Israeli Tucker, but it sounds like he's going to flip to South Florida. No one needs to really follow that, but th they do need an arm. I, I'm with you. I wouldn't count a another school getting involved here. I mean, people are going to go through spring practices. Jaden isn't can't enroll anywhere. Like, why would you sign on Wednesday? I mean, you could wait, see see how the dominoes fall, see if someone has an injury, see the movement, and then and then go pick your spot, right? So I, I think that's on the table as well. I think it's and a that's clear, spe speculation. Sure, I think it's a clear path for him at both spots. I mean, I I don't think he can go wrong with either spot. I just think TCU has more of a support system built in, and that's nothing against Kenny Dillingham. He's just he's undergoing a, a basically a lot of roster turnover where he's going to have to flip this roster and make it competitive in the Pac-12. So we'll, we'll see what happens there with Jaden Rashada. All right, Drew, interesting. TCU, Arizona State, or the field? How many oysters are you betting on this one? <laughs> Arizona State, one oyster. I have no feel on this, man. I have no, I have no putting, like – Putting one oyster down on this? It just uh, I'm putting the crackers that come with the oysters on What are it. you, the small blind? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, I'll put uh, – give me two oysters on Rashada. 
To where? Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> TCU. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, we're dozing off here. All right, last two. We I already kind of gave my opinion on this. Is this a two horse race for the for the Harris Twins? It is, from what okay. I've heard. So it, Arkansas is not in this. I don't think so. Okay. I, my gut tells me they're going to Maryland. the The football guy in me says go to Central Florida, and that has nothing to do with Maryland. That, that just more scheme. Yeah, and the way and and the way they're built. I mean, you you kind of teed it up, you you outlined it. I agree with you. I, I I'm I'm riding with UCF here, um, but this will be this has the makings of of kind of like a low key messy one on Wednesday in terms of like I don't know I, I, I like they could sign or like announce and like it be 7 p.m. and someone still hasn't announced that they got the LOI or or whatnot. It just it just feels like that. Um, I'm riding with UCF, but everyone I've talked to on every side of the recruitment doesn't seem to have much of a feel feel as to what what it's going to want to do. I think the Twins want to go to Maryland, but I think there are people in their camp that want them at UCF. And Coop, it sounds like that's where you you want them as well. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, you said it right there. I mean, it sounds like they want to go to Maryland. Does the heart get what the heart wants? Right? We've seen this so many times. Like I, I immediately go back to like Landon Collins and his mom. Right? His mom wanted him at LSU, and he ends up going to Alabama, and it's like this whole ordeal. At the end of the day, they they have to make the decision. So I'm going to go with the Twins here. I'm going to go Maryland. I'm going to put three oysters on it. Nice. Sounds nice. like you're going to go to the flip side and you're going to put three oysters on yeah, the I am. Okay. I am. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Drew, let, let's let's close this thing out. Uh, a couple guys that you wanted to hit on here before we wrap today's show. 2024, because you're so focused on 2024, <laughs> you, you're just ready for the next cycle. Ellis Robinson and Austin Mack. And well, I feel, both, yeah, go ahead. They're both announcing commitments on Wednesday, and I want to know if this, is, if this is the future of what signing day is. Now we get – uh juniors that are, are using the day to announce austin max gonna announce with us on the 24 7 sports youtube channel i was in a few meetings today sounds like we're gonna have a feed for ellis robinson as well didn't mean to cut you off there cooper but this is a big deal because we like both these players <laughs> dude you cut me off whenever all good um austin Mack, washington right leader in the clubhouse that's what it sounds like 
quarterback from Northern California who we really like a lot, top 100 player for us. I think he's got a top 32 skill set. I just think he is dripping of upside and potential. This is exactly what they look for in the NFL. But what happens if Ryan Grubb goes to Alabama, right? I mean, are, are conspiracy theories over here. Like, is can Kalen DeBoer hold enough water there? And my answer would be yes. I, I don't know if there is a – Who's the other contender, right? In my mind. Um, well, I mean, Austin visited Texas, and they already have their twenty twenty four quarterback. Um, I think Stanford was a natural fit. You know, Troy yeah. Taylor was at Folsom before. That's where Jake Browning played his ball, who played at the University of Washington. Troy he, Taylor now at Stanford. I think those would be the two teams. Here's my here's my how I'm handicapping this thing, right? Austin Mack probably going to pick Washington. And why does he matter? Okay, I'll tell you why he matters. When me and you audited the 2024 arms, I remember you texted me like, hey, have you watched this Austin Mack kid? Like, how do we have a three-star grade on him? We shot him up in the rankings. Um, he, I think the one measurement we have on him is like over 6'7", correct? It's like 6'8". He's a big cat. Yeah, I want to say 6'7". Yeah, he, he has the prototypical frame, right? Um, how important is that? Well, watch watch the NFL. Uh, all those guys take hits. Um, improved as a passer this past season. Uh, I think we're ahead of the curve here, and he picks Washington. You know, Washington might not have any competition right now, but there's going to be competition, I think, later down in the process when people reevaluate the quarterback board uh, and try to go try to go shopping and, and flip someone. Nationally, I'm kind of like, hey, what are we doing here? Like, ha have we not turned the page yet on a guy like Austin Mack? And maybe they just haven't gone to California, but I'm looking at him. And I'm like, all right, there, there's your guy. Yeah. You know, and that's not to take away from Julian Sane and Elijah Brown. Without a doubt, the most talented player with the most upside out of those three, Austin Mack. Physical upside. He might not be as far as long in, in his development at the quarterback position, but there's your guy. All right, Drew, uh, send us home on, on Ellis Robinson. I, I know you love him as a player. He's announcing on Wednesday. He, he is. He's our number one ranked corner right now. Um, in the 2024 cycle after Desmond Ricks reclassified. And he played opposite of Desmond Ricks at, at IMG Academy. And uh guy I've seen on, on the seven-on-seven -seven circuit here recently test exceptionally well. I think he's really good at, at, at just attacking the – putting himself in position to make a play in the air. Uh, final five, I think it's Georgia, Alabama's in there, Colorado's in there. Miami's in there, and I, I'm missing one. Maybe LSU. Um, I fully expect them to pick the Bulldogs, and <laughs> they just keep loading up at every at every position there on that defensive side of the ball. He, he's been up to Athens multiple times, was there for uh, the championship uh, parade a few weeks ago, um, and I, I think he kind of wants, as crazy as this sounds, like he wants to like lock in a spot with the Bulldogs, and he, he's a real player. We talked about it last week. I think the, the corner class in, in 2024 in general is just pretty deep. And uh, Ellis Robinson's is a good one. I don't know if you've dove, dove much into him, Cooper, but. Oh, I love him. Yeah. You know, I, I thought when Desi Ricks was in 2024, I thought Ellis Robinson, I mean, I had a lot of confidence in him as a player. I think when you stack those two athletes up, I think you're kind of splitting hairs there a little bit. But I love this kid. I thought it was such a great move for him. I, he came over from Connecticut, I believe, right? Played his yeah. ball at IMG. I thought that was one of the 
the best decisions he, he could have made for his career. Um, and in terms of what he's got in his body, it's elite, you know, and he, he's got cornerback one traits written all over him. All right, wow. Drew, what a show, man. Loaded show. We got the Fong on. Good times. Three-man weave. We got to talk about it all. Oh, before we conclude, we got to make sure so we can we can go back. We need a statistician for this. Lance probably – producer Lance probably don't want any part of this, but how many oysters are you putting on uh, Ellis Robinson? Five. Five to Georgia. Okay, that's our first five count. And then Austin Mack, what do you got? Five to Washington. Okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go five oysters uh, for Ellis Robinson to Georgia, and I'm gonna go four oysters with a side of some crackers to uh, to Washington for Austin Mack. Yeah. By the time this podcast is posted, what's his name will already be hired at Alabama as the next OC. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Knowing our luck, that that will definitely happen. All right, Drew. Uh, final thoughts before we get out of here. What do you got? Anything? I'm ready to take. Uh, I'm done with 23, man, ready to dive into 24 after a quick quick little uh, siesta. But I, I'm, I'm ready, man. What about you? Not too much. I was pretty fired up about your haircut today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we the, the, hey, the people get to see it on Wednesday. Fired up. I mean, what do they, what do they even do? You didn't have that much hair to, to begin with. I just, know. I know. I just how long does that haircut take? A minute well, and a half? My normal, my normal barber wasn't working. So I had to go out my comfort zone. Guy didn't speak much English. You know, I'm showing him pictures. It was it was a stressful experience. My know? favorite is like when my buddy, who I love to death, goes into doesn't matter. He doesn't have the same barber. He goes in a different one every time. And he just <laughs> he has a picture of Joe Burrow. And he's and he says, This is what I want. And I'm like, I don't I don't think it works that way, but to each their own. All right, guys, we appreciate you joining us. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the show. I had a friend today. He said, hey, when's the next Oyster Boys pod coming out? I said, dude, get with it. We're the football recruiting show now on 24-7 Sports Platform. Make sure you subscribe there. Leave a comment. Leave a rating as well. Come on, man. Get with the times. But we appreciate you guys listening as always. Have a great signing day for Director of Scouting, Andrew <laughs> Ivins. I'm National Recruiting Analyst, Cooper Patagna. For our producers, Lance Lynn, we appreciate you guys joining us today. Have a good one. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.